Father, we thank you for the prayers that have been prayed, the songs that have been sung, opportunity to worship you in giving. We thank you for those that have taken time out of their schedule to be a part of today's service. We ask that the word that will be declared fall upon the good soil of their heart and that we will all rejoice in you being the God of our salvation. We thank you and we honor you for this time. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to first start off thanking everybody for coming out on this today, the Valentine's Day Eve, uh, hanging out with us. We appreciate it greatly. <coughs> little side note. Uh, there's a bunch of stories about how Valentine's Day came to be. They, we really don't know 100% about who or what this person was. Um, one of the resounding stories is the fact that Valentine, St. Valentine was a, a priest who uh, would marry folks in secret when marriage was illegal for commoners. And he ended up getting decapitated because of because of that. Um, so that's one of the stories. I'm not going to go through the, all the rest of the stories, but there's so many different stories about it. But the whole premise of the story of Valentine's Day is a day of love. Now, of course, the United States, we've commercialized it and told you to go buy a card and some chocolates, you know, and get the most expensive chocolates you can buy uh, for someone. You know, we made up a hundred different things for them to, uh, to do. Uh, but love is, is not just about giving gifts. It's also showing through your actions. I like to tell folks that love is a verb, not a noun. So it requires action. All right. Let's get into our, our message for today. We are still in our series called Family Life. Now, if you remember from last week when we talked about family life, I told you there are three stat statuses, three positions that you can be in in the family. The first one we talked about, which was last week, you can be married in the family. The second, which is what we'll talk about today, is you can be single in the family. And next week, we're going to talk about you can be a child in the family. So of these three different dispositions, we've already covered one. So guess which one we're going to do today? We're going to talk about singles. And um, I do have a, I brought my extra large soapbox today, just so y'all know. So I'm going to be pontificating a little bit about this. But singleness is, a, is actually a representation to the world of the sufficiency of Christ in a person's life. It's as, it, it, it also is a symbol of the coming wedding banquet between Christ and uh, being the bridegroom and his bride, the church. Singleness is not a stage of life or less than marriage. I'm going to say that again. Singleness is not a stage of life or less than marriage. And so the point I want to make today is that we as the church body, we as this family of believers 
should be engaging with singles as brothers and sisters in Christ, encouraging them to grow intimately closer with Christ. Couples should treat singles as whole people with passions and gifts given to them by God and should encourage singles to grow in their gifts. Now, we're going to get into this in a minute. I, that's just my starting point. Now, we have, uh, as I said, we have already covered our first episode. Our first episode was called Covenant Power. and We talked about the power of us being an example of a covenant between two people and God in the marital relationship. Episode number two, which is where we are today, we're going to be talking about our subtopic is called completely sufficient. Completely sufficient. And where we are going with this as we hit our definitions is the first thing is family. Our first definition is family. Family is the collective body of persons who live in one house and under one head or manager, a household. As I told you one, uh, told you before, that it does not just mean that it is one house, particularly household means it is a group of people together. So we, as God's House Christian Church, we are a household of believers, and there's different ages, there's different levels, but the one thing is we are a family. We got all our brothers and sisters with us. I'm sorry, a little side note. The next thing is life. The next definition is life. Life is the present state of existence, the time from birth to death, your manner of living, or your conduct. So family life is simply how we operate in our family of believers. Next definition is completely. Completely means fully, perfectly, entirely. And our last definition for today is sufficient. Sufficient means qualified, competent, possessing adequate talents or accomplishments. We're fit, able, or, compet or of competent power or ability. So completely means perfectly, fully. Sufficient means qualified. So completely qualified. Sufficiently qualified. Because we're going to get into some points in a second. I want to tell you this. 1 Corinthians, the 7th chapter. 1 Corinthians, the 7th chapter. Is a chapter... I actually, I, I actually had all 40 verses to read, but I figured that it being Super Bowl Sunday and y'all wanted to go home and finish up on your chicken wings and all that other stuff y'all got for the Super Bowl, that y'all might walk out on me and I would be embarrassed to be preaching to an empty room. So I only took some certain scriptures out of this this time, but I would love for you to read 1 Corinthians, the 7th chapter. It talks about marriage and it talks about singleness and it talks about how this is all supposed to work together but for some reason we done jacked that up we okay okay see my soapbox trying to get under my feet already i gotta get this done first all right first corinthians seventh chapter we're going to start at the sixth verse this is the english standard version it says paul is saying it like this he says now as a concession 
not a command, I say this. Verse 7, I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. Verse 9 says, but if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Verse number 17 drops down and says, only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Has anyone at the time of his call, was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. Verse 20. Each one should remain in a condition in which he was called. I ain't getting no help already. All right, verse number 32. I want you to be free from anxieties. Come on, Paul, help him out. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or, un or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that it will fall upon the good soul of our heart in Jesus' name. Now, again, because we're talking today about singleness today I, I, I only pulled out but you got to read the whole seventh I'm just telling you because it, it really brings out some good points but what we have done is we have made marriage an idol we have made marriage something that everybody needs to do and because we have done that we have actually set people up for failure. There are some people that just don't need to be married. There are some people that need to be married. But what we have done is, we have, from when they were little, we tell them, now when you get married, y'all heard what I said? Now, when you get married, now, when you start constantly telling a person that is what they're supposed to do, they don't listen to what the voice of the Lord is saying because you've been hammering this in their lives all this time. So this is how this thing goes. I'm so far off my notes right now already. You get up there and you say, you know, when you get grown, I, I would really love to have two or three grandchildren. I know y'all, none of y'all said that. I know that. I know y'all didn't say that. It would be nice to have some grandchildren to run around and 
And what ends up happening because our heart is toward our parent that, that we love and we want to be what they want us to be. We want to not be uh, disappointing to them. We try to do what they ask for us to do. So then we end up with folks having, uh, I was watching, I can't think of that woman's name, but she had some young men on her TV show, and one young man had 16 children by 14 different women. Now, I just wanted to show that extreme. What's just as bad is, is the one guy that has one child with one lady, but they don't have the, 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 the institution of marriage around it because he never wanted to be married in the first place, but he wanted to give his mama and his daddy the grandbaby that they wanted. See, there we go. I'm, and listen, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm just saying how we have idolized what marriage is, but we have not di uh, directed our children to seek the Lord in how we are to perform our adult life. When you talk to, uh, uh, when, when we're talking to the youth as a church, we're always talking to them about save yourself for sex till you get married. Right? Isn't that what we tell them? We say, wait till you get married to have sex. Wait a minute, what if they don't want to have sex? What if they don't need to have sex? But well, we don't ever think about that. Yeah, that lead balloon hit everybody, didn't it? All right. We never think about, listen to what God has to say, because some people are to be single all their life. I see your nonverbals. I'm going to talk about you in a minute. We have some people that sit up here and say, I don't know what I would do if I was single. But see, this is the thing. If we are serving the Lord and we are following after his precepts and we are living his life, the life that he has designated for us, then we don't worry about what it is to not have sex. We don't worry about what it is to be married. We don't worry about any of that because if we're following the direction of the Lord, guess what? He already got everything worked out. But because we, as the generations that have gone on before, have said these things and placed these thoughts into the lives of our next generation, they then try to do what it is that we have declared. Now, we're not the first generation. This, this has been happening for years that we have done this. And then we get... We get to the point where if, 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 if your son or your daughter says that they didn't want to get married, then the, the next thing that comes out of your mouth was, are you a homosexual or something? Instead of us encouraging them in the Lord, we start getting so selfish about us wanting grandchildren or us wanting to be able to celebrate having this wedding and all these other things that we lose sight of Jesus in the midst of something that God designed for us to celebrate him about, which is marriage. Amen. I should have told y'all y'all might not like me after this, but that's all right. This is, this, this is Valentine's. This is love day. You know, this is all good. Y'all love me. Come on now. <laughs> and so we have to realize that singleness is a gift. 
Now, whoever that was that just cussed me in their mind. Uh, <laughs> singleness is a gift. There are some people in this room today that have been married. There are some people in this room that have lost their spouse because of death. And, and I bet you if we were to bring them up here and, and ask them, did they enjoy their married time? And they would probably say yes. They say, but, but how are you feeling now that you're single and you no longer have that other person to be concerned about? They'd probably say it's much better. Not saying that when they were married that things were not good, but being only concerned about yourself. And if you're serving the Lord, only having to focus on the things that God wants you to do and how God wants you to live is a burden that is a nice burden. Paul even said it, if you remember in the scripture, he says, listen, if you're married, you have to be focused on the things of the world, which is your spouse, as well as the things of the Lord. But if you're not married, then you can just focus on the things of the Lord. Somebody said that. Yes, ma'am. Take the pressure off. We have, we have people, uh, uh, my, my lovely bride thought of this, and, I, and I'm going to say it again because I love it. We have met this young lady. Uh, she had been married four times. And she was talking about, you know, I'm getting ready to go through premarital counseling again. And uh, my wife, as nice as she is, says, you know, we, you really need to figure out what the common denominator is in all of your marriages, um, why they didn't work. And I love that so much because I would have just said, you've been messing up your marriages, but she was so nice about it and said you had to figure out the common denominator. And sometimes when we don't have the right mindset going into something, it may be the right thing, but if you got the wrong mind, guess what? You're going to jack it up because you got the wrong mind. We talked about last week how we are supposed to submit to one another in marriage. Submit one to another. It is not the man is the boss and the ruler and, and the big dog and all that other stuff. He's supposed to be serving the entire household. And as he serves the entire household, they will give him the respect that he desires so that everybody can live in harmony. Yeah, I'm sorry, bro. I know. I know. I know. Paul says that each one of us, each and every one of us has a gift from God. God has empowered each and every one of us. God has designed each and every one of us to be here right now. And because of that, there is something that God has for us to do. He says, some of y'all are called to be married. Some of y'all are called to be single. Which way? You already said in your mind. Well, I'm called to be married. <laughs> if you seek the Lord, he will give you, not only will he give you the direction, he will give you the contentment to operate in whatever disposition he had designed for you to be in. And what, the reason I, I was so excited about this, this message is because it may be too late for some of us. Some of us may have supposed to be single and we got married. 
Well, you married now. Don't be trying to use the Lord to say I need to get divorced because you made a covenant, which is a signed decree between you and the Lord and the person. So don't be trying to back out now. You in it. If you're not in it and you ain't supposed to be in it, then you just thank God. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Thank this message came at the right time for me. But my point is this. If a person that you're interacting with is not married, don't you keep beating them up about when they're getting married. We should be beating them up about seeking the face of the Lord, if I can use the word beat up. We should be encouraging them to find out what God has for them. Because y'all married folks, y'all, y'all, y'all gonna have to help me. Because in front of the single folks, we try to act like everything all right. We try, to, we try to tell them, oh, yeah, it's great. It's great. But then when you go in, the, go, to, go in the house and you go in the bathroom, you're like, Jesus, help me. Jesus. Jesus. This woman you gave me, this man you gave me, Lord, what's going on? And then the single person call you, hey, how you doing? How's everything? Me and my husband doing, me and my wife are doing so well. We have to be honest about this. We have to be encouraging about this. Because what we have done is we have told folks, not necessarily in these words, we have told them that you can't be complete unless you marry. That's a lie from the pit. That is a lie. You are complete in Christ Jesus. And you are complete whether you're single whether you're married, you are complete in him. But if I keep telling you all these years that you can only be complete if you have a mate, then that then takes that mate and puts a weight on them that they can't even handle themselves. One of the things that I like to do when I perform a wedding ceremony, I like to do something to symbolize that there are two individuals that are now becoming one. On the last marriage that I did, um, the couple was so nice to me, they let me go ahead and make my favorite drink. My favorite drink is an Arnold Palmer. Arnold Palmer is sweet tea with lemonade. And when you mix them together, they become this glorious concoction that is just so heavenly in the taste. But the one thing you can't do with an arm of Palmer, once you mix them jokers together, you can't separate them. And that is the same thing. But now, I like sweet tea, and I like lemonade. But when I combine them together, it creates a whole different flavor profile. So they're complete individually. But when you bring them together, it makes something new. And that's the same thing. You want to take a, a, a cup of, of iced tea and a half a cup of lemonade and put them together because it wouldn't have the right balance. You need equal parts in order to make. So when, I, when you tell a couple, uh, uh, married folks, y'all ain't complete until y'all get married, and she, she half and he half, that don't, that's only still going to make a half. Y'all catch that in the morning. Y'all catch that in the morning. And don't call me because I ain't answering my phone because I know you're going to be mad. <laughs> the other thing.
thing that we, we do is, instead of us encouraging people into their singleness, we get up there and try to make, become matchmakers. Oh, Brother James, you know, he ain't, he ain't married. And Sister Lucy, she ain't married. You know what? Well, I, I think I'm, me and my husband are going to invite them out on, on, you know, to dinner and, you know, and, and, uh, and see how that goes. And we have been so manipulative as a church body. We're trying to be the Holy Ghost for folks, and we jacked up. We ain't doing as well as we're trying to make folks think as, think as we're doing. you trying to match make folks, and you don't know that, that she's a crackhead and, and he's a meth head, and you're trying to get two heads together that's going to be jacked up. Well, they look good when they come to church. Yeah. Okay, that's one, two hours out of, okay. All right, okay. See, I told you I had my soapbox ready today. Because we, we, are, we are actually messing up generations of people. We have messed up generations of people because we have not encouraged them to be what God has called for them to be. We have decided that if you ain't married, something wrong with you. We have decided that if you ain't having babies, something wrong with you. If we, have we have made all these decisions and have not looked to the Lord and said, Lord, how should I be encouraging this next generation to live their lives? I knew I wasn't going to get no amen on that. <laughs> because we are selfish. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. We want it our way. We want what we want. We want it to be, we, we, we like a newborn baby sitting up there and all we can do is want to eat and want to poop. That's all we want to do. We just worried about us and come change me and do it my way. And you 50-something years old still acting like a baby. It's all about me. It's all about what I want. I don't care. I don't care. I, you need to have me some grandbabies. Yeah, as y'all can see, I'm kind of stuck on that. Because it is a manipulative thing that, that we can almost equate to being witchcraft in the church. Where we are telling folks, you're not right unless you have children. You're not right unless you have married. Uh, married. You're not right. And who are you to tell a person they ain't right? Look at that beam sticking out your big fat head and talking about getting that... I'm sorry. I'm so, I told y'all I was on my soapbox today because this is, this is irritating to me. We're sitting up here telling these singles that, that, that they ain't complete, that they're not whole, and God's calling them to a whole nother level of righteousness, and we jacking them up because we're supposed to be their support system. Maybe I should have took two blood pressure medicine pills this morning because I'm fired up. Okay. So... If, 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 if marriage shows us the shape of the gospel, how we're supposed to love one another, how we're supposed to show one another love, then singleness should show us the, the sufficiency of the gospel. Because the God can keep us, the gospel can keep us, the gospel can make us be content in whatever situation that is in because in this world that is that is so obsessed with sex, mm -hmm. it's so 
this once is all about what, how, how can I be better in bed? How can I do this? How can I do... Oh, okay. We have got to be different. We cannot be and have the same mindset as the world. Because if we are no different from the world, mm -hmm. then the world won't know that there is a difference. Amen. You acting, you telling the same type of jokes that the world's telling. You saying the same thing that the world is saying. And so we wonder why our singles feel lonely. They feel ashamed. They feel disregarded. And these are the same folks, same singles, wondering, what is it for me? Let me go find somebody. And, and no one is saying it's okay for you to be single. Mm -hmm. But it is okay. It is a calling. It is what God has called for you. And, be, and if he's called you to do it, he's got He's going to give you the grace to be the best that you can be. There are some people that need to be married. Paul said, if you, can't, if you don't have no self-control, then get yourself married. He says, but if you do, then serve the Lord with gladness. Focus on the Lord. Be an example of what it's like to be sustained and sufficient in Jesus. Because he can make you completely sufficient. Amen. He can keep you in his perfect peace. Yes. Because your mind has stayed on him. Yes. We have established that. I think this is my last soapbox thing. I, I'm, I'm thinking. <laughs> we have decided that sex is a right. Everybody has a right to sex. But. When God designed sex, he designed it. it oh, are y'all okay with me saying sex in church? Too late now. We are we already on that train. <laughs> I just thought about that. Folks like, he's saying sex in church. All right. Sorry. Yes, yeah, sir. See, we, we, we're, we're making folks think that sex is a right. But sex is a gift that God gave to the folks that go into a covenant with him. It's a gift that God designed in the confines of his covenant. <laughs> so uh, Ed Shaw, he wrote it like this. He said, life without sex for a Christian then should never involve an unhealthy repression or denial of their sexuality. Any attempt to act like it doesn't exist. Because sexuality is a God-given gift to be valued and expressed in the ways that God has outlined. That will mean lots of sex for some and none for others. Both different ways of appreciating an incredible part of what it is to be human and made in God's image. We are so sexualized that when I said the one part that... This means that there's lots of sex for some, some guys, some people in here. I, I, I apologize. I was being stereotypical. There, there are some people in here that were saying, yes, 
And then when I said none for others, they was like, that ain't me. <laughs> so we have to realize that God has made this thing so that we can have an effect on both directions of life. If someone is in a, a marital relationship, if someone's not, we call it celibacy, and they're, they're honoring God with their entire humanity, their entire body. They are honoring God because they are honoring the covenant that he made for humanity. Now, again, we have to get better at encouraging our singles in their singleness. We have to get better at celebrating the fact that they are not married. They, at the present moment, they don't have a desire to be married. All they want to do is serve Jesus. I have heard this saying. I, no, no, I'm not even going to say it. Because we can be so mean and, and, and so disrespectful in how we in, discourage people in what they are trying to do to serve God. I remember back in the day, a young man got saved. And he was so excited. He was bringing folks to church. He was just so excited. And one day, old deacon walked up to him and said, boy, you're so excited today, but that's going to die out soon. And guess what happened? It died out. We have to be careful about what we say. Our words are important, especially to the family. We have to be encouragers one another. If you want to go down that direction, if you want to be married, we're going to encourage you to seek the face of God and let God do his will in your life. If you want to be single, we want to encourage you to be uh, uh, listening to the voice of God so he can provide direction in your life. Because our opinion means nothing when it comes up to the wisdom of God. And so we want to have the mindset that everything that we are is because of God. Every desire that we have is because God has allowed us to have desires. Now, what we do with the desire becomes our responsibility. But the desire comes from the Lord. And there's a reason that he gave it to us. So I want to encourage us today as a family that we encourage one another, not based upon how we feel, but based upon how we want to assist them into learning more about what God has for them to do with their lives. Amen. All right? Amen. All right. Okay. I'm going to kick the soapbox out the way. <laughs> if you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that is the first complication into this entire situation. Because without a 
relationship with Jesus, you are missing a vital connection it is to hear the voice of God. The Bible tells us that the only way that we can approach the Father is through the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. And if you want to know what it is that God has for you to do, you have to ask God what it is he has for you to do. The way for you to meet up with God is to go through the door. Jesus Christ says that I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the light. No, no one can come to the Father except by me. So in order for you to get into the right position to hear the voice of God, the first thing that you need to do is accept Jesus into your life. Now, it's not a very complex thing. The Bible says it's like this. It says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus... Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Now that word saved means rescued, delivered, saved. What are you being rescued, delivered, and saved from? From the penalty of sin. The penalty of sin is death, which means eternal separation from God. But the Bible says that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So when you accept Jesus, you get it, go into the realm of eternal life, which then gives you access to the Father. When you have access to the Father, then you can know what the direction is for you. You see how this thing works? It's so simple. But it requires us to make a decision and a confession. And I'm not coming up here telling you that you need to confess to me because I ain't got no place to put you. I ain't even giving you my address so you can come to, I ain't going to put you in my house. All right? But my point is, God has all of this. And because he has all this, his desire is for you to come to him for everything because he designed you. So if you don't know Jesus today, and you know that this is a decision that you have, you should make, and you're not here in Simpsonville, South Carolina, guess what? Because of modern technology, let us know at info, email us at info at godshousecc.com that today you have made that decision to accept Jesus into your life. We're going to come alongside you and assist you. And we are going to help you to become all that God desires for you to be. I tell folks all the time, I say it every Sunday and I say it just like this. This is not an individual sport. This is a team event. We are going to come alongside you and assist you in becoming all that God desires for you to be. Because that is very important that you understand that this family loves you and our desire is to assist you. And that's why we're talking about family life. Well, friends and family, episode number two. <laughs> yep. Next week I got an even bigger soapbox. It's going to be even more fun. And we're going to be talking about children. I mean, children. Uh, and, so, and so as we're talking about the children, uh, please come by next week. Pop in on our Facebook. Come by 642 Fairview Road, whichever way you want to just be here, one way or another, because we're going to be talking about how children operate in this family. Well, until next week, God's blessings be upon you in Jesus' name.